0: Welcome to another episode of Viatorian Voices, Conversations on the Way. This is Pre-Associate Dan Masterton from Vocation Ministry, and I'll be your host for this episode. Today our guest is Beth Neighbors. Beth is the Executive Director of Journeys the Road Home, a nonprofit agency that provides both shelter and social services to people experiencing homelessness and at risk of becoming homeless in the northwest suburbs of Chicago. Beth is an alumnus of Sacred Heart of Mary, the girls' high school that later merged with St. Bider High School. And she has stayed closely connected with the Viatorian community and St. Bider students. We're glad to share more about her and her organization's important work with people too often accounted of little importance in our society. I started by asking her to share a little bit about herself and her organization. Enjoy the conversation.
1: My name is Beth Neighbors. maiden name was Cassidy, and I graduated from Sacred Heart of Mary in 1985. It was two years prior to the merge. The theaters. It was a great foundation. Being a student at Sacred Heart of Mary High School allowed me to connect with other women through our faith, built a real strong foundation and connection to our community, um, and how to walk the method and the methods of Catholicism. And so it was embedded in me even after I went to Eastern Illinois University. I knew that coming back home and impacting my community was a uh, Maybe not in my frontal lobe, but it was definitely thread within who I was and what I wanted to do. So I did return back to the area in 1999, and that's when I connected to the agency I work at now, which is
0: Journeys the Road Home. How did you first hear about them? How did you first get involved with them? What have been your roles over the years, and how have you gotten to the point you're at now?
1: Well, my grandmother, Mary Cassidy, um, who is no longer with us, rest her soul, but she was a volunteer at an organization called Northwest Suburban Pads. And she'd make casseroles and bring them to the homeless population at the shelter. And um, she was very active in the St. James uh, Catholic community. And that is where I also went to junior high prior to going to Sacred Heart. And my nanny said to me after graduation, um, there's this little organization I volunteer for and they're looking for somebody to merge their nonprofit with another called Hope Now Incorporated. And I think you'd be great. Um, And I had already secured a job at the AIDS Foundation in Chicago. So I said, nanny, that's great. (laughs) But I'm actually going to do this when I return to the area. And she said, I want you to go interview. And, of course, as the matriarch of our family, I went to interview. (laughs) And I was offered the job on the spot. So then I was in a quandary. You know, I had to follow my nanny's advice, and I could not be dishonest to my nanny. And so I had to let the job go at the AIDS Foundation, which, of course, flabbergasted most because I took this job making less money, and decided I was going to commit to one year Um, because I grew up in Arlington Heights and never saw a homeless person. I grew up in an area where I could walk to my school. Um, Everybody was uh, being raised in a middle-class situation, or though I thought, or an upper-class situation. And I just didn't see it, so I thought, this is going to be boring, but I'm going to do what my nanny wants me to do, and I'll give it a year. And I've been there for 23 years.
0: Okay, so now you're serving as the executive director. Would you tell us a little bit about who you serve and the services you provide to walk with them?
1: Um, We serve over a 1,000 people annually. Some of our population are street homeless individuals or people who have recently become homeless by couch surfing at friends' houses or other family members' houses. We also serve people who are fragilely housed and are struggling, and that's our prevention client base. And those individuals we want to keep in their homes because by keeping them in their homes and their stable living situation, it avoids all other consequences that might be down the road for them. So... We work very hard with the population. We serve the northwest suburbs of Cook County. Our population has changed over the years, specifically during COVID, where we started to pendulum from single adult males to intact families, uh, single families with children. And it's really when, through all these transitions with the agency, when I've really relied on my foundation um, through my education at St. James and then through Sacred Heart of Mary because it's where you're able to fall back on. We feed, we close, we we shelter the most fragile among us. And additionally, we do so in a compassionate, non-judgmental way, which is not typical for nonprofits that do mental health service intervention, substance abuse services. It's typically a little bit more clinical intervention and cookie-cutter approach, but at Journeys, we really are the agency that says there's a holistic approach in dealing with humanity. And there's many different dimensions of somebody's life, and one of those dimensions is faith. And a lot of people have had some broken relationships over the years with their faith. And so we really do wrap around, and again, that's when I reached out to the Viatorians and St. Viator to say, let's really enhance this partnership, because... Although as the executive director of Journeys, I can't tackle that issue, you know, on the forefront based on the structure of the organization. I can partner and bring that together. And so that's what we've done at Journeys. We hit all life domains, um, and we make sure we keep listening ear and eye about what each individual needs and then wrap around our services for them.
0: Okay, so let's look at the Viatorian connections a little bit since you mentioned... First, I know St. Vider High School students have long been involved assisting with shelter cleanup, doing some volunteer service, doing some fundraising. Can you talk about some of the things that St. Vider High School students have done with journeys over the years?
1: They have been connected since they started in 1999 <laughs> um, because it was my first reach out. It's home. Um, and so the, um, we've had students involved through internship in our summer program where you have a wonderful program where you connect a uh, student with a corporation, a field of study, For a summer internship, we have long been in that partnership with St. Viator, and we've had a student placed every year. In fact, we've turned around and hired a few of those individuals after graduation from college. They've come back and um, applied, which has been a wonderful full circle. Um, We've also been involved with a lot of volunteer initiatives, Make Difference Days, um, some of the service uh, coursework at St. Viator's. There's a lot of connection in that way. Father Corey, who is incredibly involved with St. Viator, in addition to the Viatorians, and in addition to Journeys, um, he would bring a crew over to our uh, site in Palatine and do cleanup um, once a week and with all Vitorian, uh, v- St. Viator students. And it's just been a very powerful connection. I reached out again to the Viatorians when we were hit with COVID a few years back, and we had to shift very quickly and take over 100 people out of a congregate shelter situation and house them quickly, and our idea was hotels. So we went straight to the Viatorians, and they were our initial seed money to move everybody out of shelter into hotels, and they allowed us to get that foundation so then we could keep the wheels turning to keep that program funded, and two and a half years later, we still have over 100 people in hotels. We're just starting to return back to congregate shelter. But the Viatorians made that a seamless process for me within days. I was able to do that. Additionally, we have been campaigning for quite some time to build a community building where everything can be in a one-stop shop. And again, my first point of request of support was the Viatorians, and they came through. And I think that's super important because they're investing in their community, and they're investing in the um, most fragile among us. And that is the foundation of what we stand for.
0: Yes, I remember reading really early after the shelter-at-home order about the cash grant that the province approved to fund some of the meal and hotel service, now, I also remember the time that some of the Viatorian men and some of the students were giving to help with meal delivery when restaurants were volunteering to prepare meals. And then this group was bringing them to the hotels and delivering them to people. Can you talk about some of the structure that it took to get people from the uncertainty of that stay-at-home order into more security as COVID started to really get bad?
1: Yeah, it was um, definitely a readjuster sales and start a new direction. Um, we had to completely redevelop and... In- a very brief period of time, so that transition was difficult, but we were able to do it within two days, and and we were able to really protect and wrap safety, security around individuals. We made it through to date with only two COVID cases out of all of the individuals we moved into the hotels, because we also connected healthcare. So we partnered with an organization called Heartland Health Outreach, and we have been partner with them. They've had a nurse at our site for over uh, two decades, but they came in and supplied on-site testing, and they did boostering and vaccines for the population. We were able to move all of the volunteers that worked in the shelter system into a meal preparation and delivery system and moved on a systematic scheduling that would allow people to schedule directly online. So it was a lot of pieces of the machine. I can't own even a little part of it other than reaching out to my connections because the team at Journeys is powerful They stay in their lane and they make their connections and we just move very, very um, seamlessly. So very proud to say that we didn't lose anybody during the COVID pandemic and we were able to really strengthen some of those community bonds um, because it took the entire community to um, really stabilize these lives.
0: So when you talk about wraparound services, you talk about a team approach with the staff staying in their lanes. What are the needs that you see in people experiencing homelessness that are the top priority and the things that you're trying to identify and address with them to help them stay well and secure as best you can while they're going through this?
1: Yeah, there's a lot of philosophies over what's the best approach. And at Journeys, we really feel that if you get people in a compassionate, sheltered situation, then the work can really be done. And that partnership with our faith-based locations, um, sheltering in congregate faith-based locations is a pivotal aspect of our agency. It is so vital hard to explain, but just obvious when you see. The ability for somebody to come off the street cold, wet, upset, traumatized, and walk into an environment that only focuses on compassion, non-judgmental service, that is a healing process that can't be really found anywhere else. And then it allows the clinical team, based on that first level of trust and, and welcoming, It allows the clinical team to come in and start building those relationships, especially with some of our more profound mentally ill. And that was the impotence to build this building, quite frankly, was our volunteers said, we know we can't serve everybody. There's people who come to journeys that are so traumatized or so struggling um, that their behaviors are problematic, they can't be served in this environment. So please um, rally your strengths through funding and create a building where you'll shelter those we can't shelter. So that's what we built for. We built for that overflow population to make sure that anybody in our service area that comes up homeless, regardless of what they're presenting, they'll be served at one level of care. And we'll be able to take that respite moment to really start intervening and and, and changing their lives towards stability.
0: So just kind of zooming out then from the specific work you guys do, what do you think society's responsibility is to neighbors who might be unemployed or unhoused or facing hardship, what do you think should motivate and mobilize people to be more mindful of charitable giving, volunteer time, seeking greater justice for people?
1: Well, I believe that is our purpose on the planet. I think that conceptually, we're here on a practice run. Um, I think that we are here working diligently to become the voice, hands, eyes, ears of God that we're supposed to be working in him his image and we're supposed to be helping those that are less fortunate and who are struggling. So our responsibility is to do just that. Um, we need to look around our neighborhoods, our community. We need to look for the quiet, struggling person, the one who does not announce because those are the ones they disappear in the cracks. You see somebody's lawn getting bad. You see somebody doesn't have cars in their driveway, but you know they're in there. You knock on the door. You see how they're doing. Is there, you, When you're standing at the door, is it cold in their home? You know, those kinds of things. And then you reach out to a community agency like Journeys and you say, hey, this is a little strange. I'm not sure if I should inv- get myself involved, but this elderly lady on my block seems to be struggling. And Journeys does outreach. You know, we will go and see, you know, I've, we've gotten calls where it says I see somebody on a corner. and." and they're panhandling, and and what are you doing if somebody's still panhandling? How can you be in our community if somebody's still panhandling? And I said, well, that's interesting because you have to really think about all the things the person needs to stabilize. And they might have just come from Journeys and got their tummy filled. They might have just gotten to Journeys and was able to get their gas voucher. So their car was filled up, and they got their meal, and then they got their to-go meal for their three children. But there's not a line item in Journeys' budget to pay for their daughter's music fees at school. So they might drop their child off at school and go panhandle to get those fees. And that's the thing we have to kind of start looking at stuff. And the minute our instinct as a human being is, well, there's a lazy person, or there's a person who's not invested, or here's the rest of my sandwich, and think you're doing something they need, that might not be what they need. They might have just had a sandwich at Journeys. They wouldn't be putting themselves out in the rain with a sign saying, I need money, If that wasn't what their need was, sure, there's a percentage of our population that manipulates. But a percentage of our population manipulates at every level of life. Uh, It manipulates at at the bottom rung of the ladder, and it manipulates at the top rung of the ladder. But our lives as Christians, as Catholics, are not to try to define if they're manipulating or not. If we're truly walking in the image, we make a decision of compassion. And uh, we hope for the best, and we do our best. And the outcome is not up to us. We're not the one in control.
0: Yeah, I think we sometimes struggle to think of it as gift and we want to place conditions or expectations on what we're offering to someone when the best thing is probably to give freely and generously and then hope that someone is responding with doing something they need with it. Maybe one last question. Is there anything you've learned or realized as you walk with people who society pushes to the margins that you would hope a young person might think about in a new way or try to learn through? doing direct service or accompaniment of people that we've pushed to the margins, what might you want a young person to reconsider or try to learn in a new and more profound way?
1: The thing that has really been an eye-opener for me is that the same issues that we deal with when people are struggling with poverty or homelessness are the same issues that are happening on our block. If we were to sit in quiet thought and reflection, just because you have four walls and a roof over your head, does not mean that somehow you're less scary or somehow you're more advanced or somehow you have the answers. And the people who don't have four walls and the roof over their heads somehow have none of that. They are scary. They are to not be trusted. That is such a wrong, inaccurate perception. The bottom line is homelessness is a microcosm of society. Everything that you deal with in homelessness, people deal with in housed environments. So when we sit and we see somebody who's struggling with bags, riding a bike, don't sit in judgment. Just realize that they're exposed. Their vulnerabilities, their pain, their struggle is exposed to the world. And that doesn't make them less worthy.
0: I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you to Beth Neighbors for her time. We pray for all the staff and volunteers at Journeys and all the people they serve, that this compassionate accompaniment may be the hands and feet of Christ for others. To learn more about Journeys, visit journeystheroadhome.org. There you can see updates on their new construction, explore volunteer opportunities, and donate to financially support their work. To learn more about the Viatorians or invite vocational accompaniment, email us at vocations or DM us on social media at USA. On behalf of Brother John and the Viatorian community, I'm Pre-Associate Dan Masterton, Venerable Louis Kerbs, inspire us. St. Viter, pray for us. Adored and loved be Jesus.